Hello and welcome to We Will Rank You, the world's latest and greatest podcast where we rank songs on like really good albums from like terrible to terribly good. As always, via technology, I'm joined by a guy more Jewish than Irish. That's you, Dan. Say something. Oh, right. Because of the Irish thing. Got it. Yes. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's Dan. Uh, a, a, guy, a guy more Scottish than Irish. Hi, I'm Jim. And a guy whose name sounds suspiciously like Sinead O'Connor. But that's me. Just that Sam is you. O, that guy. Yeah, I know we're not supposed to say last names, but man, mm-hmm. maybe I'm giving too much away there. And also, I, I, I would just like to say that, um, have we ever seen Sam and Sinead in the same room? Those eyes, those beautiful, big doughboy eyes. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I'm your host, and my half-birthday is on St. Patrick's Day. The last time I picked which album to rank, I chose Love's 1967 album, Forever Changes, a record I was pretty sure none of these guys had ever heard. So as penance, I swore that my next choice would be an album that we all owned. But how would I know for sure that we all owned it? How? Well, in 1994, when Sam and I were roommates in the Bay Area, one day I went into his room and our other roommate Pat's room and made a list of the albums that the three of us all owned, then scotch-taped it to the bathroom wall because, you know, that's what I did for fun when I was younger. (laughs) And still do now, apparently. (laughs) You're so grown up now. Yeah, totally. Yes. Uh, so in that spirit, I asked these guys to mark up a list of the 500 greatest albums of all time, according to New Musical Express back in 2013, plus the 14 albums from Our Bathroom Wall in 1994, uh, because, of course, I kept it. And there, I had a slight tinge of, of uh, worry that I was going to say this, and I was going to get just all this pushback and ugh. But no, the three faces that I'm looking at right now on Zoom all lit up and were like so excited. To, they started looking at the list before I could even send them the Google Doc to start messing with. And that's why we do this podcast, because we're all super nerds for stuff like this. Yep. Nerds. Uh, how was that? I, I haven't even asked. Like marking up the 500, was that... Uh, Super fun. Good, bad. Yeah. It was it was fun. I think there was one that I didn't that I marked that I'm not sure if I had, but I said no because I didn't want to do it. Oof. Okay. It was oh. the laws, but I'm pretty. Oh sure my it. god! What is wrong with you? <laughs> oh my god! I, I, but I'm pretty sure I don't have it. So oh, this podcast mind. was going well until until that. <laughs> yeah, no. That's kidding. definitely on my list Sam. of things to do. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Mine too. Uh, if I had a list, that is. So anyway, at the end of the episode, we bet on um, how many of those 510 or so we would all have. Uh, and Sam and Dan were our tied winners. They, they guessed 20 and 24, respectively, but the answer was 22. Uh, I'll post uh, all those on the socials uh, soon. Uh, I knew that whatever albums we all owned, I was going to choose the one that was least like the ones we've already done and were least like each other. Uh, and that wasn't too hard to find out because 18 of the 22 were by all white male alt rock bands from the 80s and 90s, plus two Beatles albums and the Beach Boys. So Kim Deal and James Eha were literally the only ones on 21 of 22 albums that weren't white dudes. Wow. So uh, since we've already pretty much covered that, that leaves Sinead O'Connor's I Do Not Want What I Have Not Got. Uh, Let's ask these guys here. 
what their relationship is with Miss Sinead Marie Bernadette O'Connor. Who wants to go first? I do. 1990, right? So I was a freshman. This is a freshman dorm room album for me. Um, And I have uh, had a relationship with the um, the uh, single and the video, of course, you saw everywhere and I loved it. And then I got the album. But when we when you assigned this and I went through, I was like, oh, my God, I, I, I don't remember this album. And then I was like, wait a minute, I think I do. And then I listened eight times to do because I always do my homework. Um, and now I'm ready to talk about it. But no other albums. I just had, you know, I heard the single of Mandinka. That was about it before that. Right. Uh, I'll go. Um, first of all, it's I do not want what I haven't got, not have not got. And I made the same mistake, was, which is yeah. why I, I had to. I kind of set it out on purpose. But okay. Oh, Adam doesn't make mistakes. Portionade. Wow. Um, <laughs> saw the Mandinka. No, 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 contra- no contractions allowed for this entire episode. Not one. Heard Mandinka, saw the video, and just fell in love instantly. It was instant. And I don't think, in my world, I don't think anybody else looked like Sinead O'Connor that I'd seen up until then. And it was just so different. She had so much fire, such frigging spirit. It just, you could tell it even in that video. You can clearly hear it in that song. And I rushed out and bought Lion and the Cobra. I was totally hooked. Uh, and so by the time this came, I'm like, I'm in no matter what. And, and then of course it was big. Um, Adam will remember this probably. I had album flats lining the top row, basically perimeter of my bedroom. Um, Mm -hmm. and they just, they lined the whole, the Smiths was up there, Pet Shop Boys. I can still remember the whole thing. Um, but this album was up there and this album, as you know, that front cover is her completely dramatically lit uh those eyes are just piercing those blue eyes and she's got this look like she knows things that we can only hope to learn like just this unbelievably like unbelievable presence and i always think of if you guys remember the scene in fast times at ridgemont high when mike damone just looks up on his wall and there's elvis costello looking back at him over his shades the front cover of trust And that was me with Sinead. Like that was of all the album covers, that was the one I would just like lock eyes with. It was like my patron saint (laughs) overseeing me. And so when I, when I think of this album and when I pulled it back up and like you, Jim, I hadn't listened in decades to this whole album. It just, that came flooding back. That's great. Quick question. And I was thinking that I vaguely remembered seeing that album flood up on your wall, but that would have been after you left high school. I was trying to do that math too. So either I got it as an advance. I can't even remember where I got all those album flats. So either it was like an advance mm-hmm. and we had it like in 89 or it's just, you know, I was at college in LA. I was back in San Diego. Maybe I was down often enough. I don't know. I, I, I can't put that together either, but uh, it was definitely and, up there. And now, and now that you said that, I don't know where I got it. I probably got it for you because I worked at the warehouse around that time. So great it's point. Anyway, Thank you. That's not why I asked, but go ahead, Sam. Sam, go ahead. Oh, um, my recollection of this album is, of course, the single. I had a very similar experience to Dan with Sinead O'Connor. Saw the Mandinka video probably on 120 Minutes. Um, She's so captivating. She's incredibly beautiful. And um, 
and I was a teenage boy, so. Uh, but her, but the there talent was there. I, I mean, like Lion and the Cobra, the, that album was so. It w- I mean, like the power of Mandinka, but then so many other songs. She, she just you know she's yelling. She's got it like really quiet. The music is kind of back and forth. And I was a huge Cocteau Twins fan, still am. And the um, like the music on there in in places kind of reminded me of that. Um, you know, very emotional, very ethereal type of music that they made, um, or, yeah. And so when this record came out, um, Nothing Compares to You, obviously, was a massive song. Uh, I was working at KCR College Radio at San Diego State, and... I was there once. What? No way. I think Dan and Jim were there once. Yeah, I visited the studio for a show, yeah. Yep. But so, um, so this, I mean, this was huge on college radio. It was huge on 91X. Um, and, you know, uh, I mean, I guess we'll get into it more, but this, um, I, I, I didn't listen to the whole record, but I, you know, jumped around, played songs off of it um, when I was on radio and just kind of knew it from that. But again, hadn't really listened to it in decades and wasn't quite sure what I was getting into listening to it again and absolutely loved it really loved this record that's giving away way too much but okay uh the first time that i think i heard Sinead was her guesting um on a song that was actually done by the edge from u2 for a movie called captive and uh absolutely loved it what was, that, what was that song called? My God, I totally forgot. Heroin with an E. Yes. Oh my God, that's and an incredible song. I'm listening yeah, to that I after this. Is it? Can you? Is yeah. it on Spotify? It's on YouTube at the least. So I listened to it last night. I hadn't heard it in a long time. Oh, it was really cool. I actually had, I had the album at one point. I, I finally I I think I saw I, it on CD. I think I taped it off you. That's very possible. Um, it's all instrumental stuff. I've never, I never saw the movie that it came from, but that song was just, her, her voice was already incredible. And I think that it came out before... Uh, Lion and the Cobra. So that was my sort of introduction. I uh, 91X was playing um, Mendinka and maybe Put Your Hands on Me. Uh, and then when the second album came out, Dan loved it and Dan loved it. And Dan mentioned to me that he loved it. And he also mentioned to me that he loved it. And I finally gave in and got it. So uh, I definitely have Dan to thank for that one. Um, I was Sinead for Halloween in 1992. <laughs> of course you were. Uh, me, me and my then girlfriend. Uh, Wait, let me guess. Dressed... Let me guess. You you included a, po- a photo of the Pope in your costume. I knew she it. was the Pope. Oh, I was even Sinead. better. Even and, better. And we went. We had uh, we had a stack of pictures of each other that we would like tear up. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, I had no time to get uh, a Pope uh, costume together for her. So she very gamely uh, like. I can't remember what we had like a sheet. I, I have a picture, so I will be posting them, of course. Um, but she looked a lot more like the Eggmen from Magical Mystery Tour than the Pope. There was like literally nothing that was popish about it. <laughs> but but you got it because I was obviously Sinead. I think I had a bald wig and the whole bit. Um, it goes without I saying, did, by the way, that your girlfriend was game because all your girlfriends have been game because they have to to be your girlfriends. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and she was a shy one. So there you go. Um, none of you guys mentioned seeing her live. Maybe you were waiting on that. I did see her sing one whole song, as far as I remember, at WOMAD in 1992. Uh, I remember hearing that she had been on coming out uh, on tour with Peter Gabriel just to sing uh, Blood of Eden, which she had done um, 
on the album. So there she was on tour, hanging out just to do one song, which I thought was super cool. Um, so I went to listen to it on a recent drive. And um, thanks to a uh, car detailer, the uh, USB connection in my um, car hasn't been working. So I can use my aux cable, but I can't charge my phone at the same time. And my phone is running low. And I was like, oh, I, I really want to be able to listen to it. I could listen on Spotify, but I, my phone's running out. Oh, I'll do what we would have done in the early 90s. I'll just go listen to it on CD because my car has a CD player, unlike some modern cars. So I go to get it and it's not there. And I think, oh shit, that means at some point in the last 20 or 30 years, it didn't make the cut. I purged it, which means, you know, I, I couldn't remember how I really felt about this album. And I was like, I don't remember ever love, love, loving it, but I know I owned it. And I guess that is the telling sign. I didn't love it enough to even keep it. So, and so when you went to listen to the record, you wanted what you didn't. Got. Oh, God, I didn't even think of it that way. So it was an interesting way to start listening to this album thinking, oh, I guess I didn't like it that much. But a day later, I thought, wait a second, wait a second. There what? she is. What? Where was it? Where was it? I'm holding up the CD for you in podcast and you can't see. She was in the orphan pile somewhere in the last 30 years. I lost no. this disc. It's one of those. I don't know if you guys get this where in, in 20 years you open up a CD and oh, there's this CD that I've been looking for a million years. So thank God, Sinead, if anyone wants to burn me a copy so this case isn't feeling so lonely, please do. Um, so. With all that said, let's, uh, let me tell you a quick bit about the album. This was uh, her second album. It was recorded in Dublin and was co-produced by O'Connor, Chris Burkett, Sean Devitt, and Massive Attack's Nellie Hooper. Um, I guess I never knew who played on this record because yeah. I was surprised by just about everyone that plays on it. Um, you've got Adam and the Ants guitarist Marco Peroni, Ja Wobble, Smith's bassist Andy Rourke, mm -hmm. and arrangements by World Party's Carl Wallinger, who produced some of her very first demos. Nice. It was released three days after my 18 and a half birthday in 1990, which means it was one day before Jim turned 19. Mm. So let's get into it, guys. I will uh, go first. Uh, my number 10. And I think that uh, this is a clear number 10. I love, There's I only love one option. Earlier. Usually yeah, I don't one. agree with you guys. This time I predict a unanimous number 10. Okay. Unless, right. unless Sam screws it up. <laughs> <laughs> My number 10 is you cause as much sorrow. Oh, you screwed no. it up. Screwed okay, it up. I'm just watching for reactions. Okay. Uh, Reaction. It's a very nice song. It's Okay but everything else on this album is a lot better than okay. I have almost nothing to say about it other than I'm gonna guess that all four of us, when it got to that one part, all went la 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 la. And that's all I have to say about this. Okay, and it drove me nuts when we got to that. <laughs> and I was like, where did I hear, where have I heard that before? Oh my God, oh my God. And then three hours later, I was like, mystery science theater thing song. Mystery si Science Theater 3000. Okay. La okay. connection la, la. I did not expect. Dude, no, and either. I was so satisfied when I was like, yes, I got it. I got it. I know where I've heard it. <laughs> All right, fine. Tell me what number 10 is for real then, Jim. Okay, number 
10 should, uh, it's a numerical, um, it is three babies. That is number 10. Um, and let and me that's t- a clear last? Let me tell you why. Um, this, Inya made a career out of this song, okay? <laughs> um, um, the that's squeak. Deep. The that squeak of the, of the strings, you know, the guitar. Mm. She doesn't have it everywhere, but on this song, it's just shrink, shrink, you know, and I'm, oh, God, stop it. Um, but this is, you know, the <laughs> vocals are what I think of when I think of Sinead. You know, she really, you know, shows her stuff vocally on this. But um, but it's an Inya song, guys, and it's just, it's the worst <laughs> one on the album. So I'm with Jim in that Sinead has an incredible voice. So for me, the last song on the record, the clear, like number 10, <laughs> is Jump in the River. Wow. Because the music's flat, but the singing's also flat. But when you can belt it out like Sinead, that's a choice. She's making a choice to just have it be that monotone, like kind of through the whole thing. She gets, yeah. a, I mean, like she puts a little inflection on stuff, but she never really does that Sinead belt. And so to me... Like, like what, are, like, I, I would be curious, like, what are you trying to say with that performance uh. with not giving that Sinead, like, because, you know, if you said jump in a river, I would, it, it would probably be a good idea. Um, it, like it's, it, it's an emotional song. She just doesn't do that. So it's, it's, it's a clear choice. And I'm uh, like that, that she's making artistically there. I'm really curious as to why, but for me, it's just, it's just kind of flat. Number 10. Interesting. My number 10 is not the same as any of you. I know. (laughs) So we're off to a good start. Look, guys, look, I'm less cultured than you. I am who I I am. I knew it. I knew it. My 10 is the title track. I do not want what I haven't got. You know, I look, I love, oh, there's my looks again. I love, I love like the look. bookmarks to these albums. Not, not the bookmarks, the book ends to these albums. The mm-hmm. first song and the last song were, were boys in our late teens. We're listening to like rock and roll, big, loud, fast. And she gets all of us to buy this album. And then she starts and ends with these songs that are so totally slowed down, which I love. And I, I'm a purist. I would never hit stop on the album early. Like you gotta, you gotta complete the thing. But you know, there's kind of that. So first of all, we'll talk plenty about what an amazing singer she is. Um, when someone's a great singer, an expression you might say is, "I'd even listen to them sing the phone book." Sing the phone book. Right. This gets right. pretty darn close to that. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's five minutes and forty five seconds of one melody over and over again. I know there's sort of that calming mantra, but look, I'm also the guy that can't meditate. I try and it says like, get the things out of your mind. I'm like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. So this just doesn't work for me. It's not her. It's me. It's amazing, but it is not my favorite. I, uh, Dan, Dan, I, the first, you know, listen through, I was on one of my runs, right? And to, to jog to this song, I mean, I was like, oh my God, what are we doing here? And um, then you hit and, this higher zen, maybe halfway through. Well, no, 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 yeah, no. It took me a while. Uh, it really took Inya to to do, so, you know, to not have that last. Anyway. Fair enough. Fair enough. That makes me well, feel better. Uh, 
it, it's perfect for me to follow up on with my number nine because my number nine is your number ten. Uh, I do not want what I haven't got contraction. Um, yeah, it does go on too long, and I love that because she's such an amazing singer, she has the guts to end that way. And we've talked a lot about uh, whether the last song out of an album. Uh, works or not where it is and this is a perfect way to end an album like this um, mm. it's this beautiful kind of almost lullaby quality you know she's such a good singer she has the confidence to do it without any instrumentation mm. and it's great but yeah I get the idea after a minute I get the idea after two minutes three minutes um, but it's definitely an incredible showcase for her ability to hold notes and hold notes without any vocal gymnastics and vibrato. Um, mm. There's a great, great interview from when she was uh, uh, on Lollapalooza uh, in 1995, and uh, I can still remember it, and sure enough, it was on YouTube, with Perry Farrell wasted backstage at the first Weird. night or first day of, of, of the tour, telling her basically that. Um, and it's just... <laughs> fantastic no oh, that's uh, great but again it just takes so much guts to do it and i remember she was on the very first episode of unplugged and she did this song you know she could have had a, a band member she could have done anything wow. but this was one of the like, she only did two songs if i remember right and her her yeah it was her in the church very first episode ever of unplugged wow and uh she held a guitar and we'll, we'll tell i'll tell you the other song that she did later but wow she chose to do this as her second song and everyone She's just so shut up frigging gutsy. Dude, wow. I know. And that's why you have to give it a little credit over Enya, right? Yeah. It's that freaking b the balls, right? Let's so, give um, her a little more credit over Enya, please, than just that one story. <laughs> well, I'm Can talking we? about this song, Dan. That's why you have oh, to gotcha, tick it up gotcha. one, one you know, to nine where it sits for me <laughs> at number nine. Impressive talent. I'm, I'm thinking... Um, it, it was it was my last place until I read the lyrics today just without listening and I was like, damn, that's a poem. That is a real that's really good writing and it's so short, <laughs> so short compared to this. Um, yeah. What you guys oh, said right, was too she long. She drags it out so because she drags each line out. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And that's my theme of the uh, of the album, by the way. You know, um, Stone Roses was you know the theme was like they they make you wait for it and then the payoff and all that stuff. The theme of this album is definitely let me drag out these words over this <laughs> melody, you know, this line. Um, uh, I I would kept going like I wonder if she wrote this. I wonder if she wrote this because sometimes her songs sound like they were originally like old Irish tunes passed down through the generations, and she's put a twist on it or something. Totally. And I didn't. I, I really did not research before I listened to to this uh, album. Um, uh, and you know it, it's it's second to last because I, yes I'm impressed but I don't think I'm gonna play this song again so um, yeah number nine so this song uh, I do not want what I haven't got is also my number nine um, it's quite an artistic statement like everyone said it's uh, it's it's definitely poetry what kind of um, stuck out for me a little bit was when she would draw out a line because some, some, the end of some lines she doesn't and the end of some she does. And I didn't, I didn't fully take the time to kind of like go through and listen if I was, you know, doing a real critique of the song specifically, I probably would have spent more time on it. But, um, but that like noticing which 
words she chose to draw out um, for longer than others uh, I thought was really interesting. Um, it's, uh, again, solo voice, acapella, a little bit of reverb, almost six minutes of singing the poem. Um, but this record, th and this, this song kind of encapsulates the record, and it's, it, I th one of the things that I thought was really interesting was going to be the four of us, four dudes, talking about this record that's <laughs> very, it's a very, uh, it's very much from a woman's point of view. It feels like a motherhood album, um, protective, but also standing alone. It's got that defiant, but it's not belligerent, but confident, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's uh, I feel like, I mean, this is the one time where I feel like we're, we're missing uh, a female voice on this podcast um, because <laughs> totally. a, mm -hmm. a woman would have so much more to bring about this, especially a mother, because I think Sinead was at least once, if not twice over a mother by the time, just once Jim's shown mm -hmm. me. Um, but, uh, and, and it's a breakup record. Uh, she's going through a divorce with her first husband who played drums on the, on the record. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's such an interesting album. I mean, the relationships, uh, that, that she talks about are so interesting and, and so in depth and so much emotion in them. And that's, you know, again, this song is that restraint. I mean, cause she could really belt it out on a lot of this and she's, singing very confidently she's got the talent i mean clearly i mean i you know it's it's almost insulting to to bring up her talent because it's so obvious but um and and this one i didn't i didn't feel like it was too long necessarily or that i you know i i got it by the first minute um but it there's just so much more on the record that elevated above it 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 was it was kind of a quick number nine for me uh just about as quick as number 10 was jump in the river but um, but so that's where it fell for me. The only thing more insulting than complimenting her talent is complimenting her talent when you sing like Perry Farrell. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> compared to you, of course I sing well. <laughs> Easy enough. Uh, all right. So thanks for that setup, Sam, because now you're making me the total asshole. So fine. Yeah, <laughs> we're four dudes. And so I already put I do not want what I haven't got at number 10. And I'll just go ahead and put the motherhood song at number nine. So let's just get it over with. Number nine, three babies. Agree with you, Jim. I don't. I can't say it any more humorously than you did. Um, except I will point out the strings. Like the strings on this album mm -hmm. are frigging gorgeous. In fact, the word that came to mind for me was sumptuous, which then I had to look up to make sure I I was using it right. <laughs> And I am. It's splendid and luxurious. That's like the definition. But I mean, the the so maybe some of you just learned a new vocab word. But I mean, the, the strings are just they're so lush. They're so gorgeous. And then against her voice, like um, it's interesting how many people you said played on this album because the instrumentation is good enough. But to everybody's point, that's that's just the background for her to kind of layer her voice on top of. Um, so, you know, pretty. But uh to me, this song also is just, uh, it sort of doesn't go anywhere. It's one thing, it's a yeah. mood, it's pretty, but I, it doesn't sort of grab the emotion out of me that so many of these other songs do. One of the really interesting things for me, um, you're talking about everybody that played on, on this record, on this song, it's only her. 
She played the percussion. She played the keyboard. She played the acoustic guitar. She did the string arrangement. It was conducted by somebody else. But this song's all, like so many of these songs that are spare like this were her, and she did the instrumentation. Um, I mean, she's she's a complete artist on this, um, you know, and she's bringing in people that have the talent to kind of keep up with her, it feels like. You know, and Andy Rourke and Ja Wobble and um, the guitarist that Adam mentioned, whose name I can't remember right now. Uh, well, Marco, thank you. I mean, this, I think this album is on a very short list of like most personal albums ever. Oh, yeah. Where literally just about every lyric is her world, her space. They're so direct. So many of the lyrics make you sort of uncomfortable. Like she's just putting out there, this is yeah. exactly how I feel. So, so th- that is so fitting that she also had a touch on all those instrumental pieces because. Yeah. There's no mistaking this was one person's vision, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Excellent. Uh, my number eight is going to be, I guess, I'm going to be the first sort of what? I, I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, my number eight is nothing compares to you. No yeah. way. You're joking. Yeah. <laughs> You're gotcha. joking. Provocative. And I, I could not decide where this one was going to go. It's definitely this episode's, oh, I've heard it a million times so how can i not let that affect me but having heard it a million times i can never remember super loving it that doesn't mean that i didn't watch that video in complete awe one shot of her just looking directly into a camera and then like shedding a single tear it's just unreal but we're not judging the video um we're judging the song and without that that visual um you know you talk about a samey song uh the arrangement that they did of this song they stripped everything away and and in some cases that's great it's exactly what this song needed it made it so much better because because prince's 1984 demo isn't it's just like it has all the stuff that you just don't need all these hits and i don't know it's just uh, i i thought i was going to be completely wowed hearing prince's version um in in some ways if you if you listen to the rest of the album and say oh uh you know she needs a Prince song. That's not what you're thinking. You know? <laughs> right. It just, it almost, it almost right. makes no sense at all. You know, she loved hip hop culture, um, but it, it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it should make any sense. And it's not that it, it doesn't really fit. Um, but you know, there's, there's one little part where she does a little bit of like soul singing and one little line, and then she doesn't do it at all. Cause it's just, it, for me, it never really worked because she's just so great at those like simple beautiful like resin resonating notes that are just like she doesn't need to do any gymnasticking at all um just so you know someone's got to say it the song was originally recorded by uh, a prince uh side project band called the family and um it was presented to her somehow. I, I didn't really get the, the story how, but they just they streamlined it in such a, a beautiful way. I, I love I love this song, you know, which says a lot about uh, you know uh, this this album. Um, <laughs> we've had some recent uh, criticisms about uh, the thing we do here called the line, which uh, it has confused quite a few people. Hmm. Uh, what that means is at, at this point we like the songs. Below this either they're okay or we don't like them so for me my line is here right at number eight under um, number eight so this is in your like list this is in my like list. Okay. this is where right. it, it starts uh, the other ones are okay i guess you know I, I could say that i like it but i don't really think of either of those but this is where we get really good um uh, a couple of episodes ago when we talked about prince uh, i mentioned seeing him and how 
the opening act was really great and I couldn't remember who it was and I remember it after it was Mary J. Blige and she was amazing uh, and funny enough covered uh, a song by an Irish band called U2 called One that night a song if I never hear it again it's probably fine but she absolutely blew the roof off the joint and then got up and did nothing compares to you with Prince now the way she did it totally fit uh, what you would think someone would do with, with a Prince song. She sang the hell out of it, and it was great. Completely different. Um, but uh, what Sinead does with it is so understated and, and beautiful, but it's, it's not like blowing, blowing my head off the way, the way Mary did it. So. Anyway, overall, that's, that's where I have it. Number eight as a result of all that. I hate that I have to wait to talk about that song for so many spots. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? I want to rebut everything. I'm not going to remember what crap came out of no your kidding. mouth for I'm me like to a, say, oh my Jim, God, you're so freaking wrong. Jim, I'm like in the presidential debates. I'm over here like scribbling notes for when I get my yes. time back. I'm like, yes. first I would it's like so to rebut. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And now I got to go talk about the third worst song in the album instead of what... Which is not right. nothing compares to you. And also while we're at it, how dare you, sir? Don't pull down U2's one with it at the same time. Like, what are you just uh, <laughs> bombing the 90s altogether? <laughs> oh, my God. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Um, so my number eight is uh, You Cause As Much Sorrow. Um, yada, yada, yada. It's, it starts low and slow. And, right, you know, right, right after Jump in the River, and it just kind of everything just slows down. Um, and this one, you know, it drags a little, but then, you know, at 125, minute 25 in, you know, it's, hey, here's the chorus and, you know, la, 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 la. And it's a little catchy, you know, and it's, um, it's really, you know, and I'm like, all right, this is a good song. Um, so, you know, it's number eight, though. I also have it at number eight. Um, like Adam, my line is underneath number eight. So everything above Everything I'm talking about uh, from now on uh, are songs that I really like and would listen to a lot. Um, for me, you <laughs> there's that my vocal tick. For me, uh, you cause as much sorrow. <laughs> it reminds me of Tracy Chapman's first record. So Love I, it. I went I went through and listened a bunch of times, and you know, in, in ranking the songs and everything. I really do like this song because I really love Tracy Chapman's first record. Mm -hmm. um, so like that, that acoustic guitar, it's got the little piano touches in there very much like, um, like uh, Adam just did a, like almost like a fake clap. That's why. Well, the other two did the, I think that if you guys want to support him by clapping and snapping, you know, you should go for it. Snaps. Don't, don't, don't Snap. air snap and snaps. air clap. <laughs> um, but but yeah, like the little piano touches, very much like um, uh, like like the songs on her record. Uh, it it almost feels out of place though, and that's why it probably yeah. fell as low as this. Like I mean, I would love to hear Tracy Chapman do a cover of this song. I think it would sound uh, great. Um, she would bring a lot to it vocally. Not that Sinead doesn't, but um, I really love it. We're, we're, I mean, we're like, she's a genius. She can do anything. I'd really like to hear other people sing her songs. <laughs> you know, Mary J. Blige. Well, and, she did a prayer. Oh, my God. So. I'd, oh I would my love God. to hear Perry Farrell do Three Babies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Is that me? So that's you, Dan. It's that's you. Yeah, that's you. Uh, Sinead. My number eight, I'm gonna I'm gonna go snipe out the other bookend. My number eight is feel so different. My line is also 
between eight and nine. So nine and 10, I could get by without eight. I definitely really, really like. Um, so again, it's slow. It's got the strings, those blockbuster movie strings again, right? Uh, it's like it's like she's singing her personal mantra over Eleanor Rigby. Like that's that's what comes to mind when I'm hearing this. Um, we, we've talked about first songs also being broader statements. Adam mentioned last songs. We've also talked about first songs. You know, compared to Lion and the Cobra, nothing sounds like feels so different. And so I love when you put on this album and, you know, first you hear her her spoken word. And then it goes into this. It is instantly clear that you're listening to sort of the the maturation of of Sinead O'Connor, you know, which I think yep. is so awesome. Once it starts to pick up, too, it's just gorgeous how this thing builds over time. Mm-hmm. This is one that takes its time, but it does slowly develop. And I think it really just kind of gets you into, Jim, what you were saying, which is like, I'm going to take my time. I'm doing what I want to do, and I just think it's a really gorgeous statement. Um, it just, it's just uh, lower than the others, which kind of hit me a, a little bit harder. All right, uh, my number seven is Three Babies. Okay, and uh, okay, I I wrote show tune slash opera. Um, it's somewhere in between those two as far as the instrumentation. It's definitely. Uh, it seems like it could be done on a Broadway stage as far as the, the music goes. And I don't mean that as a, as a slight in any way. It, it, what she does is beautiful and it sounds very classic in that way. Um, it's, uh, I'm glad that Sam said something about, uh, oh yeah, we're four dudes judging this completely personal uh, feminine album. And on this one, I felt it. And on a lot of others, I felt it. And yeah, I, I did a little reading last night, which I, I hadn't really done ever, uh, at least not in 30 years about her. And um, she said something that I thought was so fitting as a result. She said, it's not for men to like. It's a woman's statement, a woman's statement um, about this album. So, um, you know, that that kind of says it all. It's like some music is, uh, you know, made for a certain population and i almost feel kind of silly commenting on it in some in some ways but i love it you know i i I completely love it uh and sometimes you know getting an insight to someone who i i'm is not me is is part of the fascination with it and that's why you know we're drawn to it but funny enough uh guess who does a great cover of it tori amos shocker you know Hmm. um perfect girl power for sure I like Tori Amos a lot. Um, hey, Sam, Sam, that's why when your vocal tick of uh, for me is, is so great, man. It just takes all debate out. Hey, I, I said for me first before I said my hot take. You can't be mad. You know, this is my, you know, this is how just I feel. For, for me, I allow you to have another opinion. It's very, <laughs> very British. Very British and cool. Uh, By the way, Dan, you're, I'll, you're I'll just say, say one other thing. Like caveat established. We're four white dudes talking about this. I don't think we have to keep apologizing like, it's totally a fair point, but you know, we, we are still here to share sort of our opinions of this album and how it affected us. And we clearly all love it. So yeah. Noted. And I think it's a totally fair point to bring up, but okay. soldier. On. Okay. Soldier. I'll, I'll edit this out. Male, I'll... male words like soldier. Let's soldier on Dan. You took off your headphones and I, and I had said this quote that she had said, it's not for men to like, it's a woman's statement. Oh, that's so her. 
So my number seven, is it? Yes. All right. My number seven is feel so different. You're absolutely right, Dan, um, about it. I can't believe you didn't say it's just like Prince. Dearly beloved, she starts out with the spoken word, just like, you know. And, oh, my God. I thought that was going to be. I, I thought we were all four going to rush to be, you know, who's the first that's going to say that, right? Um, Another Prince connection. Uh, uh, you know, I, 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 it's just all right for me. And then um, during the chorus at the end, especially the I feel so different. Yeah. Um, the the strings are great. You know, the d -d 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 is that staccato? I don't even know. Uh, yes, but it's, but, it, but it's, it's awesome. But then but then the other strings are going dun, 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 mm -hmm. which is totally. I'll do this. I'll do that. <laughs> oh boy! I mean, I can't. Earlier not though, it. earlier he stole it from her. This is earlier. Oh yeah, yeah. Because oh yeah. Michael exactly. Michael Penn's. I'll do this. Well, I, I wasn't thinking that they stole from each other. I'm just saying <laughs> it's around the same time too of my life. So it's just oh, it's great. Um, well, wait. If you're gonna do all the string parts, I thought you were gonna add that at the end. Da -da -dun 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 -dun, like when it starts to do the falling. Oh yeah. Great strings. Um, uh, Shelly Ann Orphan uh, strings, you know, yes. like really, really, really yes. good. Anyway, um, so that's my number seven. My number seven. So this is, I think this episode is, at least it's starting out to be an episode that Dan doesn't like, where we're all really agreeing on stuff. Mm -hmm. Because my number seven is Feel So Different. It's a bold opening statement. Uh, I am not like I was before, how she says. But then, but the question is like that first line, then you're left wondering like in, in what way? Like, how are you not like you were before? Um, I mean, we the, the song goes through it, um, you know, because it, 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 I mean, she's, she's talking about these relationships that she's having and that are dissolving and how she's changed, how other people have changed. Um, and it's, and it's, it's so great. I, I actually got more of a feel. I think Dan uh, was saying that it was very different from, um, from Lion and the Cobra. I actually felt like it was a bridge more from, um, from Lion and the Cobra to what she ends up doing on this record. I think I thought it sounded a little um, similar to some of the songs on Lion and the Cobra. Uh, I don't have song titles in my head right now because I didn't listen to that. I didn't want to compare them that closely, but, um, but it, it, this, this song for me also has some of the biggest singing on the record, um, kind of like similar to, um, to along with Three Babies. I think those are some of the songs that she ends up um, belting it out more, not not Mandinka style, but just like really bringing the power of her voice to, to the lyrics. And again, the string arrangement's great. I love the call and response between the strings, how she'll sing a line and then the strings will be kind of matching it mm -hmm. right behind her. Mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah. Great song, um, great album opener. That's fair, Sam. I, you're right that I kind of like when shit just blows up and goes sideways when we're ranking. <laughs> but I'll admit I kind of like this. Like other than Adam throwing the one atom bomb, thank Ooh. you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> other than that, like we're very harmonious so far. So I'm gonna keep it going. My seven is you cause as much sorrow. Uh, nice. The soothing whisper vocal, as was noted, is really pretty. I feel like that's the one time she does that. I think maybe I didn't go back and double check, but I think maybe this is the one time piano shows up on the record, which is kind of nice. Like that's mm -hmm. it's interesting mm -hmm. to think that an album this slow and meditative, but there's no other piano. 
and you guys mostly said some of the rest, but the bass does pick up halfway through. The bass is very mm -hmm. notable here. So now knowing maybe yeah. this is a song that's Andy Rourke on bass, that's really cool because that bass is really kind of does its own thing and sort of walks up and down and it really becomes sort of a, a key piece in the second half when it picks up around the la 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 la. So definitely some really nice touches to it that I, that I quite like. Um, but still at number seven. All right. Thank you, Dan, who is speaking to us tonight between Sinead O'Connor's eyes. Um, I, it's gotta be noted that Dan goes the extra mile and puts up a, a background almost every episode and we've been staring at him perfectly placed between her her lovely eyeballs well um, just to clarify we are doing a zoom call at the same time we're recording this <laughs> i don't i don't literally have Sinead standing behind me in in a studio i mean <laughs> or do it. i yeah it's fair. <laughs> i'll be a minute i'll, uh, I'll be <laughs> All right. Uh, my number six is another one that I think I'm going to get some some flack for here. And I had this so much higher uh, and it ended up falling. And that's the last day of our acquaintance. And again, love this song. Um, but I and it has my favorite line maybe in, on the whole album, which is um, that I'll meet you later in someone's office. And it, I did some looking around last night mainly because I realized after all these years that, yeah, this album is so personal and you just assume that she went through a breakup and that's what this is about. Right. And shockingly, um, she was dating um, her drummer, producer John Reynolds, who was in Transvision Vamp and also played with Jaw Wobble uh, and actually uh, went on to produce a whole bunch of interesting people, Shane McGowan, Belinda Carlisle, The Chieftains. Um, they were dating, but they split up and maybe that's when she wrote some of this stuff, but they got back together and married and had a kid. So, you know, I read this Rolling Stone article at the height of all this and she was saying it's this huge misconception that she's, you know, in this was, or was getting out of a horrible relationship or, or something like that. But here she is happily married with a child and here they are this happy family. Um, what she did uh, get a lot of was some, business managers that seem to come and go um and maybe that's what some of these are about and i i did and didn't want to know after once i got into it and didn't see it right away and then also saw that she was with this guy i'm like oh well also what's that like to be if it is about you and you're now you're still together and you're drumming behind her she sings this scathing sort of well parts of it are scathing <laughs> like that's got to be the weirdest thing ever and adam um, just really quick on that not only mm -hmm. that but on that song, the absolute most pivotal moment is when those drums kick in. Like the drums are like the totally. main character of that song. <laughs> yeah. So I so badly right. want it to be about him now. Right. And, and, and funny, because that moment is the moment that I remember most about her first appearance on Saturday Night Live. So she's singing quietly while a whole band is standing there. And right. they might have even they might have even kept in on her. I couldn't find it. I, I was looking for it on YouTube because I remembered like when it comes in and and Marco from Adam and the Ants is playing guitar with her. He was a touring guitarist. And I remember who is this big old tough looking guy doing like a, a pick scrape when it comes in. I like just down the down the neck. And like she is wailing by the end, like just just like totally off key and screaming at the end of this song. And I'm like, I, I can still remember it 30 years later. I haven't seen it since, wow. but it was nowhere to be found. Wow. Um, like some Saturday Night Live clips are. And that was also interesting because she was so famous uh, for tearing up a picture of the Pope. But I kind of forgot that 
she actually did her first appearance on this album. Right. Um, she sang Three Babies, and I cannot find it anywhere. So I don't know if she did it with an orchestra. Because mm. uh, mm. I know that she did she did a, an, an orchestra appearance on I Am Not Your Girl at some point. But um, she did Three Babies, and then she came back and did Last Day of Our Acquaintance. So that was in October of 1990. And she also, and I completely forgot about this, she was supposed to be on with Andrew Dice Clay hosting and said, oh, I don't want to be on with him. Right. I remember that. That's right. I remember totally, that Totally, totally forgot. Wow. So she, that was like kind of the beginning of like all of her many, many controversies. So two years later, she came back in October, uh, almost two years to the day, and ripped up a picture of the Pope. Wow. Amazing. Pro- protesting um, sexual abuse of kids by priests. Like it should be noted like that. That was her beef with, uh, with awesome. the Pope. Because she like, was raised Catholic. Like way, way before it became as big oh, an issue oh, yeah. as it did in the media. So like, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, how, you know, time time has judged that one uh, in her favor, I would argue. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. If you were sitting at home watching it, you wouldn't have got that. But she said plenty about it after the fact. I, yeah. I, um, I put number six, I put jump in the river because it's hard to do just a straight... Uh, pop tune when you're a protest singer and I just think it's hard to go back and forth you know um how do you do a sweet love song when you know you're Bob Dylan you know and I I mean lay lady lay is amazing but um my my point is you you take my point um is it it's it's a it's a good tune um I I like jump in the river um uh there's over a minute of music at the end and uh it's just I don't know if it's necessary um and that's all I have to say about number six. I, I do have it stuck in my head, though. So that's usually a good sign of a, yep. of a, mm-hmm. of a catchy song. Yep. Uh, my my number six, last day of our acquaintance. Um, love when the other guitar in the band comes in at three twenty one. Um, this song does not have a drawn out ending, but ends rather abruptly. Like mm-hmm. it goes and like it kicks in, and you're like, yeah, let's go. And they're like, yep, I will never, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, what what is uh, what does she say? Hold on. Uh, I know your answer already. Like, repeats it three times, out. You know. Whereas, uh, to, to Jim's point, and I wrote this about another song, but um, this album is all about the repetitive outros. Um, the, like, uh, Emperor's New Clothes, Three Babies, You Cause As Much Sorrow, uh, but this is not one of them. It ends, like, you know, it, the, the, the in, like, like I said, like three minutes of her, the band comes in, they hit the chorus, they hit the outro, done. And it's 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 a really good song. I I again I, I agree with Adam about the the line about I will meet you later in somebody's office. Um, it's like that's we were discussing a little bit before the pod before we started uh, recording about that you know the six line stories and like that just that yes. line just really like mm-hmm. uh, this last day of our acquaintance I'll meet you later in somebody's office and you're like oh fuck that's what this is about okay yeah mm-hmm. you know signing papers and being done it's brutal. Yep. She does brutal well. All right. I think this is going to be my first controversial pick. Even I'm mad at myself for where I'm putting it. But I'm preemptively mad at you now, Dan. Sam, you left one song off your list of what I call never-ending endings. She has a lot of never-ending endings. And and mine is I Am Stretched on Your Grave. That's the one. Wow. Now, look. It's because of Sinead that I learned about James Brown's Funky Drummer. Like, yeah, this this that's is the song one. where I was like, wait, that's a thing. And then I think it was probably with you, Adam. We went and obsessively tried to find all the songs that use that 
that sample. Mm-hmm. Uh, name another song in the history of recorded music that sounds like I'm stretched on your grave. Like it's totally unique. It's totally her. It, it so encapsulates what makes her a fascinating figure. The one of the reasons I'm happy to have it lowest is I get to talk about when the Irish fiddle comes in, which is easily one of the highlights of the record. Those drums going and that fiddle just going, I don't care how long it goes. It's like, you're in it. You're in that, that hook and you're just loving it. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's phenomenal. But uh, how long is this song? This is another song that I just feel uh, 533. This is another song that I feel like as I listened, like Jim doing my homework again and again and again, it's one thing. And this one is a traditional song that she really cleverly arranged. Okay. It is. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. This one, this one is. And so it is just, you know, like a lot of those folk songs, it's many stanzas of exactly the same thing. And so for that reason, it just fell for me. I, it didn't, um, uh, I love the one thing that it does, but it's one thing. Okay. It's the one thing or is that, are we going to, Get back into excess on another. Which was originally written by Prince. A lot of people don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I can see it. All right. (laughs) Up to number five, which for me is Jump in the River. Uh, The first of two chuggers on this album. I put the exact same uh, word. I put the exact same word. Is a chugger a good thing or a bad thing? Oh yeah, oh, just like just like a head head nodder. Um, it's I make mean, like I could hear Metallica covering this cause just because it's got those like downstrokes, you know. I knew that there was a song on this album that was in some movie. I couldn't find it for a while, and I figured, and I finally found it. Yeah, it was this one. It was in the, uh, Married to the Mob before this album came out. <laughs> really? and she included it. That yeah. makes no I think sense. There were a couple, That's like, ridiculous. I know it's stupid. Um, <laughs> stupid fact, so, Adam, why'd you bring it up? Keep going. <laughs> so this one, um, <clears throat> especially uh, halfway through in the break really reminds me of just Mary chain, that middle. I knew somebody break, would where say it goes it. to it, where it goes to a different, it goes and like, that kind of that bridge, instrumental bridge. And then it just lets that one note hold out, squeal for feedback and back to, it's like, it's so Mary Jane. And and she goes back to the chorus really quickly after that. And and it's just a beautiful moment. Oh, you're making me so proud that I have it ranked highest. I'm just going to say because of what Adam said, anyways, keep going. Wait, did you already give away what you have ranked highest? No, but I said, I have that, I have that song ranked higher than any of you. Oh, higher. I thought you said higher. I mean, it could be highest. You um, don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Um, Dan has uh, impressed upon us that he would like us to include more made up facts. Um, so uh, here's my made up fact uh, for this album. Um, when my drummer first told me about this band, I actually thought he was kidding. But this part is real. Um, there's a late 90s hardcore band called Judd Judd. And what they did is they decided to strip away everything extraneous um, from music and uh, that mainly being instruments. So uh, there are all these short little um, songs, and the only thing is two guys saying the word judge, and it's kind of like Beavis and Butthead. I swear this is real. It is kind of amazing in its hilarity, but um, that is absolutely true. What may or may not be true is that they did the guitars on this song. Okay. That album sounds right. terrible, by the way. Don't ever pick that album. That's, that's actually what I'm in, in four episodes. That's what we're doing. Okay, I'm gonna be, in, I'm gonna be deathly ill in four episodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> number, uh, are we on number five or number four, Adam? Was number that? five. Okay, number five. 
the emperor's new clothes. Um, I think I ranked this wrong. I think that Jump in the River, I've talked myself into be, that being better than Emperor's New Clothes. Um, uh, guys, I want you to, to put yourself in, in, you know, in this song, the very opening, that drum, uh, the drumsticks clicking, you know, one, two, yeah. three, four. Mm-hmm. So, and then I want you to picture the opening of Aiken to Be by The Replacements. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, okay. It is. Okay. I was like, oh my god, I know this song. Wait a minute. And then, <laughs> and then, and then we immediately go into the shuffle. You know, the you know, and it, I totally pictured the uh, cheerleaders, Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry, oh, doing the Spartans. You know, and this is the perfect cheer. You know what? What this song needs is the perfect cheer. And then. Now you've now name checked. You've now name checked Mystery Science Theater and and the cheerleader skit from SNL. I have a I'm lot sure of time. that's what Sinead was going for. Yeah, I have a lot exactly. of time on my hands. Exactly. Um, that's why she went on SNL twice. I, I I don't know. I don't know. You know, Sinead's catalog or whatever. But I was like, I wonder if this is like a leftover track from her last album. You know, because it just hmm. I don't know. It, it, it's uh, anyway. It's good. Um, it, the 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 problem I have with this album is her trying to fit the lyrics over the over the chord structure and the and the melody so hmm. um everyone can see and there's a big pause what's going on and you know it just the pausing just continues um and and this is the song that has the most freaking annoying one minute and 32 seconds of just straightforward music at the end and i'm screaming like at the producer somebody forgot to fade out fade out (laughs) like they literally went for a bathroom break came back in and went oh and then the only thing i was really listening i'm like is this really a, a minute and a half of the same the same thing over and over. Um, there's a drum fill like twice yes. right at the Hell end. Oh yeah, there yeah. is. Just, just, just a couple of times, and it's not impressive. It's not. There's nothing special about it. You know what it is, Dan? It is the okay, guys. We're wrapping it up. It's the signal to the rest of the band that this. You know, it's the same as my daughter, who's a cheerleader in high school right now, and she, you know, she's calling out the cheers, and she goes, you know, last time, and then they do it one more time, and then they end. That's it. So I'll tell you what, um, I fall for it every time, Jim. And yeah. even better than saying last time once is saying last time twice. That oh, is Jesus. fall it's for it every even, time. It's literally that uh, routine, though, Dan. It's just last time. I mean, there's nothing special about that drum fill. It's not a, a, an amazing musical moment. It's just the only thing different in a minute and a half. I can't believe I have it that high. I should have dropped it more. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, Instant very, regret. Very, very James Brown, like calling it back. Like, one more. Come on. I literally more. just I literally just wrote down, can I hit it and quit? And how many times does he say it? Oh, he says it twice, Jim. So if you're going to doubt the wisdom of James Brown, then you can just. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, my number five, also the emperor's new clothes. Wow. Uh, catchy pop tune, three verses, three different choruses. Um, the, 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 the words are changed a little bit in each of them, um, which I always find interesting kind of an interesting choice because normally we mostly think of choruses as being just repetitive like repeating the statement um but uh yeah it changes and a minute and a half outro and that's an other interesting choice um you know i i'm curious why there are so many songs on this record that have those like repetitive long outros i mean a minute and a half is a long time 
it's the it's the antithesis of fool's gold you know what i mean it's like okay music (laughs) we're gonna stick this music and it's gonna be the most boring part of the song instead of the most interesting it's like it's like where the solo is supposed to be on hollow notes you make my dreams come true from the last one yeah. Listen, to Listen to this. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. And it's just another minute and a half. With the, with a couple of drum fills, you're like, oh, okay, we're no, we're still going, we're still going. Okay, yeah, you know. So like live, do they do they stretch this out for like five minutes? You know, is that is that what they do, or do they make it shorter live, like yeah. su- surprising the audience, like, bam, right, just tight out right after that. I I don't know. My number five. I'm here. Do you have a question? In defense of the outro, my number five is also the Emperor's New Clothes. Wow. Um, we've talked a lot about what a phenomenal, phenomenal singer she is. She is also a phenomenal lyricist, which we've talked about a bit, but it deserves to be said again. What I love about the Emperor's New Clothes is she basically wrote this incredibly open your heart confessional letter to former lover i assume i'm sure adam's going to give us the backstory uh and she it was adam the former lover oh my god (laughs) that's separate uh it's why it's (laughs) number one she um she lays out this letter over the verses i disagree with you jim like i love the way it does not fit into the melody she's getting through this whole letter and somehow it magically feels like it fits like it is so unusual to have words that just unfold like this and, and I love your point too Sam I didn't even realize that it's a different chorus every time I me think neither. that's incredibly hard to do I think it's unbelievably done uh, also love when she harmonizes with herself on a lot of songs yes. but here it really shows off um, mm-hmm. and again the words are just so direct they're so heartbreaking um, after listening to all of those words packed into all of that she just told this whole story I love a minute and a half of release. Just this, the band picks up. I mean, I know they're playing the same thing, but you just, they're they are all cranking. Those drums come in. I feel like it's release. And I feel the same thing as Jesus on I'm Stretched on Your Grave, where like words, 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 words. And then just like, let's bring it home and let's take our time bringing it home. I you, love it. You're pretending like this is freaking the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. I mean, she you have so much space in the lyric part. You don't need any relief. I mean, this but, is... But ugh. it's the end of the I, world. I, I get Dan's point. It's the end of the world fits a rhythm every time. Like, great wall-to-wall words, I agree with you, but, like, it's the same rhythm all the way through. Hers are, like... She, it's it's like spoken poetry over it. Like it's it's different yeah. how she changes. She really is like reading a letter. I feel like. Um, anyways, to me very, that's like a different slowly. effect, <laughs> and it kind of makes it dense. Uh, yeah, but put, set against that music that's chugging. Adam's word exactly. Yeah. Uh, totally dig it. Well, and that's why right. I said it was an interesting choice because again, like this is an artistic choice. Like you don't have oh, a minute completely. and a half of just the same thing over and over and over without it being a choice and and you you may be right Dan I, I I hadn't thought of it that way and that's what I love about doing these talks is I get my eyes kind of open to to other ears kind of open to other options and um, yeah I, I think I think I agree with Dan or the studio said friggin deliver me a 50 minute record or else that's what <laughs> so I'm thinking like, guys I, I mean <laughs> I mean I, that's what I'm thinking guys uh, of course you are all right my number four is the album opener feel so different and 
like I said, when I thought that I had got rid of this album, I thought, oh, I guess maybe I just didn't like it that much. And as soon as I put this in and it started up, okay, maybe after her little spoken poem thing, which I do not remember from my bar mitzvah. Dan, do you remember from yours? Because that one just didn't resonate like at all. You're giving me... <laughs> What do you mean, Barbara? It's bib- God, yeah, what, God grant that's my, me the wisdom. That's my. That's yeah. That's my bad. This is not. I don't get that quote at all because I'm Jewish. But apparently, oh, God okay. gra- oh yeah. Of course, I know that. Yeah. This is like you live in America. You know the basic. You know the Christian uh, stuff. The only all, all the Christianity I learned is from the first Lenny Kravitz album. So what is it? Is like, that? Is this the? This, that's the Lord's Prayer, right? No, 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 no. Ah, uh, see, but what I is know it? that much. <laughs> it's just I know that much. Saying, There's a name for it. Okay. Anyways, strike uh, that from the record, Adam. Oh, you no, know it's, what? It's a, it's a serenity prayer. Oh, yeah. that's what it is. That's what it is. The serenity prayer. Yeah. That's <laughs> big fan. Big fan. <laughs> Made popular by the work of Alcoholics Anonymous during the 20th century. Okay. Oh, right. right. Oh. Yes. Big fan of AA too. I knew yeah, that. Sure. I knew that. Anyway, uh, you know, it's basically opening with a classical number, and she sings over it, and it's incredible. It's all strings, no brass, no nothing. It's just this huge string section for a whole song, and the way it is arranged, you guys have already said plenty about it. It is so great the way it builds, so many cool little parts. I love it, love it, love it. Um, the only thing I don't like about this song is that it fades out. Mm. You know, yeah. it, and just fast, it, like it, it's over. Yeah, I, 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 there, it, when it breaks it down to that, dun, 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 I'm like, here's where you should end it, right there. Like, do something with it and end it and out. And it's like, eh, okay, oh wait, now we're fading. And just never liked that part. But God, the rest of it is s- such a huge, huge intro. You know, we we've yeah. had a bunch of albums where the first song is really epic, and this is incredible. Uh, by by all those other first opening tracks that we've talked about standards it is way up there true all right my number four is uh this is the last day of our acquaintance um it is so good um i've forgotten about this song i I remember knowing it uh you know 30 years ago that's fun to rediscover that song yeah yeah exactly um i i i don't know why i was just picturing myself at some like you know reading festival or something I think that that's why she added the oh 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 in the choruses. You know what I mean? Because I could just see like like a um like a oh god, what's a good example? Uh, Arcade Fire, Wake Up. You know, just where the whole crowd oh oh oh. Uh You know, and just I just as as you know the drums kick in and and we're going. Which really at three twenty five, you know, this is there's a minute and a half left of that part, but that's the part I think about when I think about this song. Um, and I and you know it's in my head. Um. Uh, and the best line that you guys didn't mention, you kept talking about how great the words oh, are. Oh, you're going to um, steal it from me. Two, <laughs> well, maybe not. It, two years ago, the seed was planted. And since then, you've taken me for granted. I love that. Because she had, she had a two-year-old kid you know, when she wrote yeah. the song. Yep. So, um, so it's definitely, I mean, I don't, it has to be about the baby daddy going away, you know, yeah. and, and then oh, yeah. breaking up. It has to be. Anyway, what a freaking, I mean, that's a song that sticks with you. It's great. Um, <laughs> Even uh, though it's the one you forgot about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> correct. After 30 years. Um, well, I, that's nitpicking, isn't it? I am glad that that's at my number four. I'm very proud of that. Yeah. When you mentioned uh, It's the End of the World, uh, it reminded me, guess who covered this song? R.E.M. Michael Stipe. 
Really? Yeah, I can see yeah. that. Interesting. Hmm. So is that like the band breaking up, REM breaking up? We'll meet in an office, sign the documents. Ooh, nervous. document. The document singular. Ooh. Ah. Ooh. Ah. Uh, there we go. All right, over to Sam. So my number four is the fourth single off the record and blew me away because I, I, I mean, I remember nothing compares to you. Obviously I remembered Emperor's mm-hmm. new clothes. Cause I think mm-hmm. I kind of remember the video. I thought I am stretched on your grave might've been a single, but no, my end. So the, the fourth single, my number four is three babies. I could not believe when I read that this was a single. It does not sound like a single. It's slow. It's, uh, you know, but she does have that power in her vocals. Um, it's, it, it's, it's amazing that they decided to release that as a single. I don't know how well it did. Um, probably not well at all. Um, but it, it, it doesn't, not because of the song, I don't think. I just think, you know, the time and, um, you know, what, what, we, what we consider a single, you know, like, I'm not turning on 91X expecting to hear three babies, right? Um, right. But it's 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 great. I feel like I feel like that her vocals on this song stretch out more and get close to her the tone on uh, from the lion and the cobra, and this moved way up as a result of that. I had this really low. I had it probably at number eight, and the more I kept listening to it, the more I was like, this is a really fucking good song, and it belongs higher. And it just and it moved up because like, again, like. I, when I first looked at the album, I was like, what? A single? This this song? And then the more I listened, I'm like, not a single, but damn, it's a good song. My number four is... Wake up, Dan. <laughs> I know. <He's, laughs> Sorry. He does you, that. That's his vocal t- or, uh, yeah, vocal <laughs> tick the, the is pause. to wait really... Yeah. Wait, me? You said... No, you Dan. said pause. You said three babies, and I caught some you some sleep. <laughs> I caught some disease. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so let's go opposite. My number four is Jump in the River. Um, totally fair criticism, Sam, when you say this is like the most straightforward song on an album where she clearly shows all the different things she can do. I think in some ways that's what I love about it. This feels like a four-piece rock and roll band that... Mm-hmm high octane chugging fuzzy guitar when that comes in i just love it and it stands out because it's been after all of these really you had emperor's new clothes but other than that it's so many down sparse orchestral numbers and now you just have this and uh and i love that chorus line too you know like we grow up being told if all your friends jumped off a cliff would you and you know and then her chorus here is if you said jump in a river i probably would because or i mean i would because it would probably be a good idea you know like i after she's been that you're saying that a little bit like an old jewish man it's probably a good idea he seems nice um (laughs) (laughs) but you know after the rest of this album after she's been fighting fighting like digging in her heels then on this one she seems like she's like the pliant like you know i i do i do fall for it when someone gives me bad advice like i feel like that's what she's saying i don't know if that's true or not um and she also has the great line on on here jim i swore you were going to point it out it's all been a gorgeous mistake like what a great what a great line like she's just she's taking it on the chin with this one she knows she epically effed up uh but I, I just love her take on it. So I think it's a really interesting song and it's kind of the, a breath of fresh air on an album that 
that goes in so many different directions. This is, I often have my like st stuck in my head during a shower song. It was this. Every time I got in, just dun, 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 yeah. dun. Love yeah. it. Awesome. So, so we're going into the top three, and there's only one song that hasn't been named yet. I love yeah. it. It's I know great. what it is. Adam. Oh, is it me? Yep. <laughs> That's the one. My number three is Black Boys on Mopeds. And uh, that was the other song that she did on Unplugged. And for some reason, I think of this as the most tender, quiet song on the album. Like, even more than I Do Not Want. Like even though there's no other instruments on it, this is just, she is just barely, barely singing it. And it's so sad and sweet that she's basically looking at the world and going, and or her home country anyway, and saying, this is so fucked up, I'm leaving. And where does she go? LA. Really? <laughs> it's like, yeah. She was no like, okay. police problems there. Not not yeah, her no home country, problems. by the way. She's singing about England. She's from Ireland. She is. She yeah. is. But yeah, yeah, she, but point. she's talking about leaving. But like, right. I, I, was she living in Dublin at the time? I'm I, I'm not going to even pretend I know every no. her chronology at this point. But um, I just I think of her doing it just like a, a plain black shirt, holding an acoustic guitar, and just like everyone drop dead quiet in this room, listening to her sing this song. Um, so pretty. Uh, it is. You know, obviously the biggest anti-authority song. She was, you know, very outspoken politically. Um, kind of shocked that we haven't heard uh, it from Sam yet, because if you're talking about British aristocracy or government, it's always <laughs> last. And so this is a huge, huge change for Sam. Um, obviously, the best moment That's amazing. Uh, in the song is she references the three babies from the other song. And the first word that they hear is please. It's just like oh, the way she sings so it's, it's just sucks the air out of the like room. Breaking. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It really does. Uh, amazing. All right. My number three. I, I would, uh, for the record, again, I'd like to continue talking about that song. Um, I Am Stretched <laughs> on Your Grave is awesome. That's the, my number three. It's my bronze medal. Um, I... Uh, I was worried a little bit about after the first track, I, you know, opposite of Adam. I wasn't like, oh, my God, I remember this album is so great. I was like, oh, do I like this album? <laughs> um, and uh, and then the drum beat kicks in and I'm like, oh, this is great. And uh, Army with Harmony, OPP, you know, you know, um, you know, uh, OPP by yeah. whatever that yeah, is. You know I'm me. down. I'm yeah, down. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you down with it? Okay. So that army with harmony at the very beginning, that's what I heard with, with the with the drum beat. Um, uh, uh, right. And, you know, now we're grooving. Um, and this is the one that I found myself singing the most after uh, repeated listens. I always have a song in my head. Um, I just am built that way where there's, you know, I'm just walking around and something's going on. Something's going on. And, uh, and, this is uh, this was in my head a lot. Um, it's the same mel melody line over and over. I get it, but I'm totally okay with that. And I know that I don't like things that are nice. just the same over and over. Except I love hearing this. that from you, Jim. I it love it. Go, I'll take it. it. I will take it. <laughs> it could go forever. Um, all I need is that bass uh, that, or that drum, and then the bass. You know, it, it, when the bass comes in, it's just so good. And then I cannot believe you guys haven't said it yet, but the fiddle comes in at the end, and I'm like, oh my god. We are in danger of a stone hinge that's being crushed by a midget. 
And it's totally the spinal tap, the spinal tap uh, yes, Stonehenge. Yes, yes. It's that sure. part. Oh my uh -huh. God. Your, your references for this album are absolutely killing me. Actually, now that you mentioned the fiddle, what I th where I thought you were gonna go is now that I realized that Adam mentioned Carl Wallinger, like it's got some serious what like dance of the hoppy lads on that first album. Very similar to the fiddle in that, but yeah. Stonehenge oh, too. That's not what I. Uh, that's not what I, th I thought you were gonna say because the guy who plays it was in the Waterboys. I thought that's oh, what you were going sure. Like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he also played. He al he also played on a little song called Sunday Bloody Sunday. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. No way. Great, great fiddle. I'm familiar. Yep. I'm familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Irish. So that's it, Jim. That's it. <laughs> All right. Is that enough? So that's it. That's all you got. Adam, all you got. Jim, you well, don't me, have like a me, minute and a half of stuff at the end just talking? Let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> then let me tell you about my number three, a little song you might know as I Am Stretched on Your Grave. Okay? Yay. Oh, I love that one. Great use of the funky drummer beat. Um, I When I first listened, I thought it was the Amen break, but then I had to go back and do my research and... Clearly, it's the funky drummer. Um, there's uh, there's a difference. Like the Amen uses the ride symbol, I think, and this one's using the like the the snare rim. But anyway, um, so it introduces a little bass here, some orchestra hits there, which I absolutely love. How it just like pops in, um, and then the the Celtic fiddle outro is so great. It's a great blending of the new and the old. The song is a 17th century Irish poem translated to English. Nice. And um, and and I and I love that blending, and that's you know I mean she Sinead was a big hip hop fan, probably probably still is, um, but I I loved how it kind of pulled those two things together, and the, and the way that she sings it, I I don't know if that's the way that the song is done, but it very much reminded me of um, when you were talking just now, Jim. It 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 reminded me of. Uh, like monks, like m like uh, chants, like the, the yeah. chants of yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gregorian monks, or you know, even probably like you know, going back to like Buddhist monks, like how they chant things to remember them, because that's that's how you pass this down is through those chantings and the that that rhythm of it. And you know, when you were mm -hmm. saying like I didn't mind it, I was like, well, yeah, because it, it gets in that rhythm, and that's part of the that's it's part trance, of the song. Yeah. And you've got the rhythm of the funky drummer, you've got the rhythm of the words and the and the chanting. And then you bring in the Celtic fiddle at the end, and it's just, it, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost getting goosebumps talking about it. So I'll, it's I'll, so uh, good. I'll stop and I'll, I'll pass it off to Dan now. Yeah, my final three, uh, all fought it out for number one. At some point, mm -hmm. I considered each of these at number one, uh, but my number three, which you all have too low, is last day of our acquaintance. I want you Fair. to consider for one minute, even yeah. just that title. Like she's not saying, oh, we're no longer lovers or we're, you know, our friendship is broken. Like you shared a bed with this person and now she's just like, good day, sir. I will see you, you again. Never. Like it's, you were married <laughs> and had a kid, which I didn't even realize that that makes and it even, now. And he's drumming right. in your band. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> brutal it's just the way she commands this song you guys noted uh i'll meet you later in somebody's office but you guys missed the best line in the song maybe on the album the best line of the song which gets back to sam's point about an entire story in one sentence is 
you used to hold my hand when the plane took off. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so like fucking good. every time the yeah. plane took off, he would reach over and grab her hand. And then one time the plane took off and she's like, huh? Right. Like that's the mm-hmm. whole story right there. I just love it. God. This song also, I'm going to go with one of Jim's crazy connections. This is her in the air tonight. Because mm. <laughs> once nice. you hear it once, <laughs> and she gets to, mm. I know your answer already. already. And the drums. Every time after that that you listen to the song, the beginning, you're like, it's good, it's good. When do we get to the part? When do we get to the part? Yeah. Like you're just yeah. you're in anticipation, <laughs> and she builds That's it, excellent. and it's just so yeah. great. And yeah. I also just imagined like a young Alanis Morissette at home lying on the floor with her headphones on and the first time she hears i know your answer with that snarl like i just imagine her brain opening up like she took a mind expanding drug and she's like i know what i'm gonna do with my life it's just like that moment it's just so clear like a thousand angry late 90s singers were born out of that moment i feel like it's just so epic oh my god this, this, this song is great with alanis on drugs (laughs) <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yes, exactly exactly i thought you said alanis on drums but that, yeah me i think her, i thought i think that her husband just to piss her off used to play the in the air tonight phil at that part just to piss her off and that's why they finally divorced there you yeah. go that's be a good gag Must be so but so before adam uh goes to number two i i just like to point out that three of us have the same one two combo we don't know what order wow. but but adam yeah. has neither of those songs in his top Whoa. two Womp. go Womp. ahead adam so wrong so right the best is i can't remember what adam's got like oh no i don't know go ahead well my number two is the emperor's new clothes which was my surprise Mm. sleeper hit uh for this album um it is the second chugger of two and it's not quite as metallica but it definitely like (laughs) has that really cool chugging moving pace and uh, again i guess this has happened a few times uh, I'm driving down to San Diego, doing my research, listening to it, and some song is rocking me a little more than I recall, and this was it, and I was just yeah. super digging it, um, and not for any huge, huge reason. Uh, the only things I wrote down, really, were the chorus harmonies, which uh, Dan, I think, mentioned, and Endless Ending is what I wrote, and you guys uh, talked about it, and for me, it's one of those... Uh, I guess we've had a few of these where I, I the, the one I think of is I know it's over by the Smiths where, yeah, it's repetitive. Guess what? I could hear it for another three minutes, n- yeah. a minute and a half. I don't care. I seriously don't care. It is such a cool, totally. it's so simple what's going on there. And yeah, it's like th- what the drum guy is doing is not amazing, but he's varying it a couple of times. It's great. Yeah. And it's just, I'm so hypnotized by that ending. I just, Totally dig it. And by the way, like who among us has not been jamming with our friends? And you totally do that. You get into a groove and you just you just play that thing over and over and the drummer starts to, you know, fill in. Like it's satisfying. Yeah. It is. It is when you're playing, but not not necessarily when you're listening, you know? And and so there's 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 strength in editing for sure, but I think they did the exact right thing. They realized this is so good. Let's just like leave it on for a minute and a half, and I fucking love it. Nice. I, I, I'm going to my number two, and I swear to God, I'm still conflicted. The, right? The next yeah. two. Thank you, Jim. I, I'm, I'm considering, 100%. Like, I, I'm considering 100%. flipping them, 
and I don't know which way it's going to go. And I, I so I'm going to make a call. Oh, God, I can't believe this. Hey, is number two. Can I we, help guide you? We'll probably have coverage. You? The good news is you don't have to bear the burden yourself this time. Like there's so many of us left. <laughs> We're with you, Jim. Go we ahead, Adam. You. <laughs> You're going to guide well, me. Well, just, just remember who wrote one of these songs, and he likes to use the number two in his song titles. That's Oh, my God. What are you going to do? Oh, that's, my God. That's an, that's an Adam moment right there. <laughs> yes. That's great. All right. So um, my number two is Nothing Compares to You. Perfect. Okay. Um, the opening keyboard hum, uh, you know, when just that reminds yes. me of the opening of Always the Sun by what's the band uh, name? The, the Stranglers. Or the Stranglers. Stranglers. Thank you. Um, Good call. Anyway, um, it's the hardest one yet for all of these things that we, these podcasts we've done. Uh, don't think of the video. Don't think of the video. It's right. really, mm-hmm. really, really hard. Yes. Um, um, it's an unbelievable song. It is. Yeah. I mean, this song is Mount Rushmore-ish. Um, I, I, I can eat my dinner in a... I mean, the drums kicking in right there. It is so... That's such a good moment on the album. It's a good moment in life. Um, the way that the way that she says uh, she sings nothing compares to you on the on the on the first time through and she stays low she doesn't go nothing you know she stays low the first time I love that I love that um, it's got the award I'm gonna make it my own category Dan um, the yes. award for the most most you guys are doing great I love this most most <laughs> confusing um, and best line at, uh, so most confusing. Uh, line and the best line and the best moment all in one the award goes to um, all the flowers that you planted mama in the backyard it is the best part of the song maybe the whole album um, what the hell can we all agree she's singing to her ex-lover right she is now now well first of all she, uh, okay oh, I, see what I, you're I love it's one it's one saying, of those yeah. it's one of those that she didn't um she didn't change the 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 gender because it was prince wrote it okay right? so let me continue so when, let me continue oh, this, this okay. is my point um so prince writes it right and so you know um uh anyway uh it is creepy to say all the flowers that you planted papa that would be creepy it's like who what <laughs> right. girl calls her boyfriend papa right daddy but but prince can say mama and it's totally fine and cool right so that's what i thought was going on um uh and then you know uh i went to the doctor and he said girl you better try to have fun right yeah. so I, I i i figured that that was changed from uh boy to girl um it, it is it's an amazing amazing tour de force I can't believe you would want anybody else to sing this song. It's perfect exactly like it is. And I can't believe that I just switched my number one and number two on the fly right yes. now. Look at that. Nice. That's, that nice. You know what? Nice. So we didn't blow it all up this time with our changes, but the fact that you're still forced to make a one-two switch is at the number one spot. That's like, it's one thing to switch. Like I was going back and forth with my four and five, which is Jump in the River and Emperor's New Clothes, like you said. But yeah. to switch one and two, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Calling an audible. Calling Amazing. an audible. So All she, right, what's Sam actually, got? Let's see. She actually, Sinead actually did call an audible. She did switch the genders because Prince's version is, right. I could put my arms around every girl I see. Right, right. And, but uh, what does yeah. he say but, in the, uh, all the flowers the, the, the that fla- you planted? Flowers, mom? No, he says mama. Yeah, 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 so yeah. like she, she right. keeps that, which is kind of, which is, right. uh, again, it's a choice. Like, I mean, this isn't but, the first time she sang the song. She said that a lot of the emotion that she put into singing that and this 
I, I'm getting emotional just even thinking it. I forgot to say it in mine. Her mom died in a car crash five years before. Oh, wow. So she put a lot of her yeah. thoughts into her, her mother. And I always thought that the way she's saying, Mama, yeah. like she's such, you know, she's a white girl from Ireland and she's singing a Prince song. And I'm always, I've always been kind of like, oh, like that's such a funny to hear her sing that. But it just destroyed me. When I read that, I was yeah. like, okay, you're, you're such an asshole. It was about her mom yeah. that she was thinking. And, and, it, right. it changes everything. It changes everything. That single tear in the video. It's like, holy moly. If she was thinking about her mom. like, uh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read it as a, uh, if I'm reading that right, it's like, let me get out mama as quickly as possible because I'm going to, I'm going to ball right now. So just get it out quick and let's move to the next line. You know, <laughs> right. it's amazing. So my number two is my favorite song on the record for personal reasons. Ooh. Ooh. But, um, it's, uh, it just, it, I couldn't rank it higher. And it's nothing compares to you. Okay. All right. It's beautiful. And for me, it's the definitive version. A really interesting part about music and how it like roots in our, in our brains is, um, the, I mean, it's the definitive version because it's the only version I knew of until the Prince uh, Greatest Hits came out. And you had yeah. Rosie Gaines singing it. Totally. And so in her version, I still hear that cadence a lot. Um, e even when, e even when this version is playing, I hear that the, the cadence of that, which is very similar to the Prince version that, that just came out recently. Um, Chris Cornell does a, does a version of it as well. Um, and it's, but this, this is the one. Uh, for me and it's it's uh i haven't listened to it in a long time i don't listen to it much but it's so good i mean it's and, and i i was not living in a place where i had tv at the time so i didn't see the, the video all that much um, um but it, it is it's an iconic video but this song again for personal reasons is so it means a lot to me but musically one of the interesting things i found on this is that the the synths this like the sound you hear is a synthesizer it's like a sampler it's like a synclavier or something like that and which is i again like these really interesting choices that she makes because you know you've got these beautiful strings on like feels so different and yeah, some of the other songs um but in this she goes with the keyboard and and you can hear it i mean you can really hear what she's doing with with that but um i i just I, I thought that was a really interesting choice to kind of bring up for for this song but um yeah i, I mean it's how do you how do you deny this the, the power of this song especially when wielded by that voice my number two england's not the mythical land of madame george and roses it's the home of police who kill black boys on mopeds. Like, it seriously makes me choke up that those words were sung 31 years ago. And you think about how relevant they are today. I would argue more relevant. And they're far from just about Britain. They're about the whole world. And it's devastating. It's so devastating. And the directness of those lyrics, like... Not only is she an amazing singer, and the way she sings this song, she sings the hell out of the song, but those lyrics. This song is her and an acoustic guitar 
and it's just utterly captivating. And she never once shows anger in this song. To Adam's point earlier, she so tenderly sings this song, and yet those lyrics, these are dangerous days to say what you feel is to dig your own grave. Like, when was this written exactly? Yeah, that line for her to say. This has always been one of my favorite. Partially, it was my favorite because, you know, it's D-A-G. Like, talk about a song you can play on guitar. Like, I can definitely play this. Uh, but uh, I, I was going to ask, did you play it at our party? I swear I've heard you play this song before. Well, I mean, I definitely, it was definitely like one of the songs I would play all the time. I don't know if I played it at, at that party, but, um, you know, at the end, she even gives you those soothing ooh, right? Like yeah, the, the, and yeah. the outro. I mean, it's a punk song wrapped in a lullaby, basically. And I get yeah. chills every time. And we ta- I, I talked about how personal this album is. And even on this song where she goes political and she looks outward, it still comes back down to, I love my boy, and that's why I'm yeah. leaving. Like, she still brings it back into her own world. Like, speaking of songs that have been covered, you know, classic songs become timeless. And I was amazed when I pulled it up on Spotify how many versions of this song there are. This is a song that I think back then I don't remember like people who had the whole album. Like I idolized this song, but I don't remember people talking about this song. And if you look at the number of covers that have amassed, this is the kind of song that over time has gathered power, I believe. If you look at like Spotify plays, it's like the third most played song on this album, which stunned me, but it's because it so resonates. It still holds such a place. Um, I really struggled between my number one and number two, and it could be either one, but this song is okay. just, this song just is such a, such a timeless classic. Okay, we, we got to pile on here. I mean, it, it is everything you said, man, everything you said. And, and I had forgotten about this song, and I'm on the run, and I, I hear the opening chords, and I'm like, okay, just a straightforward song. And, you know, at this point, I'm like, it, you know, I've already heard Three Babies, and I'm like, is it going to be a boring song, or is it going to be a powerful mm-hmm. song? And, um, and I've gotten both so far in the album at, to this point. And um, and I hear the three chords and I'm like, okay, this should be straightforward. And then the first lyrics, Margaret Thatcher on TV, and I'm like, oh, she's gonna spit, she's gonna spit <laughs> some truth here, and, and it is going to be, you know. And and the, and I read that Beige, uh, that Tiananmen Square had just happened, right? right. So that's why she's right. and 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 it, it is the the lyrics are so simple, they are so freaking simple and powerful. And you're right, they're just so direct, they cut right to yeah. you. And I got goosebumps on this, and and, and I uh, like. And then, and then I'm going, holy crap, you know, in the current climate and what's yeah, going on today, completely. I can't believe that I, that, that we're not hearing this on, on the streets right now, you know, because yeah. it's like, Hey, and, and somebody said that, you know, she, Oh, we were talking about the, um, uh, child abuse in the Catholic church. You know, she was ahead of her mm-hmm. time. Holy crap. Was she, I mean, in, in this, yeah. the most, you know, uh, uh, important, you know, um, way anyway, um, when she hits England's not the mythical land, and that's when the background vocals come in. So the mm-hmm. you know just the word mythical and the 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 ethereal music just they, those two fit together. 
uh, it is so beautiful. And and the best is that remember, yeah. and that's so Sinead. That is so, so freaking Sinead. Remember. <laughs> uh, and uh, I still to this day don't know what Madame George is. Uh, and I consider myself an Anglophile. And I'm like, what the hell is Madame George? Um, this is protest singer-songwriter at her best. Um, and I just had to pile on there because you're right, Dan. I love it. So really quickly, Madam George is a really famous Van Morrison song. Is that on Sunday? Uh, on Moondance? Yeah. Um, uh, which is interesting because Van Morrison is Irish like her, but she's talking about England not being the... So So right. I'm not quite sure what she's going for, but it the sounds other, gorgeous. The other theory is that it's Yates, uh, William Butler Yates' wife was uh, Georgie, Madam Georgie. Um, cause I, I, I thought the same okay. thing. I'm like, I, th I thought it was going to be like, you know, like some celebrated royalty, like mythical land of Madame George. And I mean, cause we all know like the roses, like that, right. that's keyed in, right. but like Madame George, but like everything's talking about, um, Van Morrison. I'm like, there is nothing in this song that keys yeah. back to Van Morrison. Like, yeah. and she hasn't said, I, not that I could find, but I was like, what? That's what a great point. With, yeah. With it must be some figure. Anyways. All right, so it's Adam, you're number one. Uh, that's a cover. What? The phrase that we've all uttered at one point in our life. That's a cover. And it's one of those moments where you've heard a song a million times and you didn't know that one of your favorite songs wasn't written by the people singing it when uh, uh, 20, 30 years ago, wherever it was, I pitched a series of uh, of albums called That's a Cover to my friend Mike, who was working for a reissue company. I love that moment uh, of, of realization. Uh, I, there's a Spotify playlist, if you look for it, of mine called That's a Cover, and it's got almost every time I've ever said that. That's great. I love and also the way you pronounce I, it exactly the same each time. Like that, it, I feel like that's, that's trademarked. <laughs> mm, yeah, I, I, I was so excited to see that on the cover of an album with the question mark and the exclamation point. And nope, didn't happen. Oh, well. But um, a couple of years ago uh, was when I realized that I Am Stretched when on Your Grave was not written by Sinead. Uh, is it surprising that it's taken from something old? No, because it sounds like an, an old Gaelic song. Um, I think, you know, Sam said that it was, you know, a 17th century poem uh, written uh, by our favorite poet, Anonymous. Uh, and it was translated into English by a guy named Frank O'Connor, but it wasn't actually set to music in just this way until 1979 um, by a guy named Philip King, who was a band called Scullion, uh, which sounds like a Spinal Tap uh, offshoot, but it's not. Um, and uh, she sings it pretty identical to that. And it, but it sounds like it's been sung that way for you know a thousand years. Uh, it's just got one of those incredible you know, hypnotic melodies mm. um as much as uh i love it funny enough there's another version of it i like better and i can't remember if all of you guys know this or not um i had a i had like a single for this and there's a mix on it called um the apple brightness mix and it was done by a guy named bill coleman 
with additional production by two people that we know, uh, Dimitri and Tawa from Delight. It was one of the first times that the two of them ever worked together. Interesting. And it is so incredible. It doesn't, it adds more to it, but you know, where a lot of dance remixes will just add the kitchen sink. It's still completely spare. It's got a different beat, but they bring in all these great little pop culture things that we were loving at the time. It starts with uh, Laura Palmer uh, from Twin Peaks, backwards yes, saying sometimes my right. arms bend back and it brings ah. in the house soon as now guitars. I mean, nice. right. they, those two things a lot, it's, it's, it's incredible. Okay. So it's got a little more like funky organ in it and but so I, I'm probably more familiar with that version because I've listened to it so many times. So to go back and hear this album version where it is so, so spare made me love it even more. Um, you know, so you've got the most overused sample of all time and just all this space and you don't even care. Like it goes on forever and you, you don't really care. That's great. And um, so as long as we're, you know, talking about one of the most like confessional albums of all time, uh, I'll, I'll try and get this out because it's 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 a big one for me. But um, you know, I'm <laughs> you know I'm a member of the Young Widows Club, so stretching out on someone's grave, you know, it hits home. And you know, we talk about like you know a perspective of of a song from long ago versus you know we've talked about it a bunch of times like oh how did you feel about it 30 years ago versus how you feel about it now. Mm-hmm. Well. You know, that said, right. it's 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 a big one, and um, not easy. But um, so, <laughs> shouldn't have gone there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be pausing. Uh, I'll be pausing. Uh, it's fine. Take your time. Did she love it? Yeah. Did she love this song? Did I don't you know. guys share the song, know. or is it your song? No, I don't really her? remember, but but uh, just thinking about her. It's just yeah. what you think about, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, um, rocket to the top, yeah. number one of your list. Right? Yeah, I know, totally. <laughs> well, she uh, she always wanted to visit Scotland, so I took some, some grass from her grave and got it there. Oh. So, not, not quite to Ireland, wow. but, uh, but, but pretty close. Okay. Sad part aside, starts off with, and then the beat just kicks in. Total fool's gold moment. Yeah. Total, total yeah. fool's gold oh, moment. Beautiful. Interesting. Um, and uh, and it just it just goes on, and it's it's just a mood, and uh, it's amazing, and it could go on even longer. Yep. And it, it, it like there was no question that it was gonna be number one. I've always thought of it as as my number one on this album, and uh, and. You know, hearing and reading more about it just made me love it even more. Yeah. So, oh, that's my number one. Awesome. Is there is there a video for this song? I feel like I had an image in my head of her dancing so carefree to this. And to your point, Adam, like she's such a hip hop fan. I, I felt like the whole time I could just imagine her doing this like total carefree dance. And I don't see. I remember I don't know a carefree dance at the beginning of Emperor's New Clothes. Maybe I'm mixing them. But yeah, but I didn't go back that. and look for any remember. video footage. But um, me neither. For me neither. this song specifically, especially with that drum beat right off the beat, right off the top. Oh, I was just thinking so of that. Good. It's so great. I um, I am so glad uh, that you shared that, Adam. I, I, yeah, I love me that. too. I, I love too. that. I um I am also so glad that I put this as number one. Black boys on mopeds. I'm so glad I, just, <laughs> I made that last minute switch because I'm very happy as I look at my list. Um, and I will just say the only thing that I wrote down that I didn't say earlier when Dan, who I was agreeing with you, 
and that is I have uh, Black Boys and Moped, and the note says number one question mark. Um, and so that's all I'll add. Um, Final answer, yes. Yeah, uh, it is. It is. It is so great. And over to Sam. <laughs> My number. That's one. so funny because I thought you were skipping in front of me, and I was totally okay with that when you said all that. I was like, did he forget that I was? No, supposed to be no. Next? I he, was he was too excited. He was too excited. I love that. Yeah. I love it. He called it. He it. called it yet another audible. <laughs> <laughs> Rules are meant to be broken. My number one, obviously, Black Boys on Mopeds. Um, it's, it, I, nothing compares to you as my favorite song on the record. This is the most important song on the record. It's the most moving song on the record. It's one of the great protest songs um, that's, as yep. Dan mentioned and as Jim mentioned, it's still relevant. Uh, Two-faced government leaders, police brutality, homelessness, hunger, um, the simple harmony on the choruses is oh, incredible. Unbelievable. It, it, yeah, it's just poof, like, you know. Um, I, I don't have much more to say about it. I had like the little stuff I said about Madame George before, but um, this song deserves more than just um, talking about footnotes in history. Um, mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's that it's that it, it is still relevant is incredibly tragic. Um, and you know it's and it's so important though that we remember these these times and these moments i mean um you know the, the one thing i did read was that she starts with about about thatcher and um you know thatcher getting up and talking about beijing like oh uh you know she was shocked and come to find out that they had known that the British government had known that this was a possibility, that these protests were going to happen and that the Chinese government was going to crack down. They knew for like weeks beforehand. So then Thatcher to get up and be like, oh, this is shocking. This is appalling. Like, like, you know, fuck you. Like, who, who do you who do you think we are? Do you do you think we don't see that you do these same things um, to, you know, the global south? Uh, I mean, in England you know, for, for all of America's original sin of slavery, England has, uh, you know, compounded that with, uh, you know, what they've done in India and Africa, um, colonization and, and Ireland. And, uh, you know, so, um, you, you know, it's just, it, that's, but I mean, it was, it was hip to pile on Thatcher at the time, but, um, but again, <laughs> totally. like right out the gate, you know, she's just, you like, I think it was, um, I think it was Jim saying, like, you know, it starts off, it's that acoustic guitar, and then Margaret Thatcher on TV, and you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> Gloves are off. Here it goes. And she just, and she doesn't let up. But, but again, it's not, it, she's not, she's not laying on it. She's not, like, throwing that voice of hers into hysterics and anguish. It's, it's so much sadness and so much weight. Um, you know, it's, Yeah. It's yeah, amazing. She song. she she means what she says. Is what I you know. Yeah, that's no. I mean, it's one of the greatest protest songs ever, and it always drove me crazy that she got booed off stage at the Bob Dylan birthday show. Right. I'm like, ugh, fucking Americans. <laughs> right. Like, get it right. right. Really. You know. She, yeah. She didn't want the national anthem being played before her shows. Like, when have you ever been to a concert where that happens anyway? Yeah. And she said something about it, and of course, you know, like Sinatra and all these people turned on her. Like, oh, you don't like it. America, fuck you, or whatever. Yeah, Sinatra was always saying "fuck you." Yeah, 
to, I mean, uh, we have, we're, we're almost two hours in and we have not talked about Sinatra uh, talking to Sinead on Saturday Night Live. When yeah. I see you, uh, I'm really thinking eight ball corner moments. pocket. <laughs> I've got chunks of guys like you in my stool. It's the greatest moment of all time. Yeah. And we haven't mentioned it once. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Dan. No, that's a, that's for me, the line is I, I take one look at you, Baldy. I'm thinking eight ball corner pocket. It's amazing. By the way, we could do an incredible episode just of our top 10 favorite Margaret Thatcher diss tracks because there is a rich, <laughs> rich list of songs yeah. that, that fit that. Um, bad politicians always breed great music. Um, True. So I hear you guys, man. Uh, you know, I, I easily could have uh, put Black Boys on Mopeds, number one. I will do it. I usually do it. I'm the guy that carries the flag for the overplayed single. <laughs> My number one. It's nothing compares to you. And I'll tell you what broke the tie for me because I really went back and forth. Yeah. Uh, it's her voice. If this, I mean, I'll get back to that in one minute. We've talked about nothing compares to you. We talked about I'm stretched on your grave, how we didn't know they were covers. That's part of the brilliance of this album is the stuff that is our covers match so incredibly with the stuff that she mm. writes and arranges that you really it feels like it's all coming from a single voice like this sounds the lyrics sound like the kind of lyrics she writes, which is crazy because I don't think of Prince and Sinead O'Connor normally in the same lane. Um, I remember right. the first few times work. I heard the single. I don't know exactly when I learned it was Prince, but I did not know that at first. Like you, Sam, I did not hear the original until Prince's The Singles came out. And, oh, man, when I heard it, I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> like, it's not even. It's. Sorry. Look, I'm a, I'm a huge Prince fan. You can go back to the Purple Rain episode and listen. But it's not even close. This is one of those oh, cover yeah. hall of fame where it just glows away. And look, I love Chris Cornell. I love Chris Cornell. I love that yeah. voice. But you go listen to that, you're like, doesn't add anything. Like, she has kidnapped this song for good. It is absolutely her. And it's because of that voice. Yes, there's the John Bonham drum beat that do, do, do. I like, I love the big drums behind it. But I'm going to say it, guys. I could not think of a song that is more perfectly sung than this song. And what I mean by that is, and I couldn't disagree with you more, Adam, she puts her signature on every line of the song. Every line of the song is sung in a completely unique way. Like, when I first heard it, I'm like, yep, there's that song again. And as I listened again and again and got the headphones on, does do every one of us not know every word of this song? Where did I go wrong? Do we you know, not... I mean do we not throw our hands down in some way as we do? I can eat my dinner in yeah. as those drums <laughs> drop in. And do we but not only curl our lips? Me. To your point, Jim, do we not curl our lips on, where did I go wrong? And do we not increase the volume of our singing voices when we sing, I went to the doctor, yeah. guess what he told me? And you always have to do it twice. Guess what he yeah. told me? And then totally. you're in the That's car the with someone. Do you not turn to the other person and saying, but he's a fool? And do you not <laughs> yeah. just lose yourself when singing, nothing compares? And then you bring it in back tight for the anguished to you. And you have that little, you got to have that little. And I won't even get yeah, into all the yeah. flowers that you planted, mama. And I know that living with you, baby. Like every line. 
she she took every line of this song and put so much of her personality into it, so much of, of her being into it. It's perfect. And to take a song, Adam, you mentioned it's three verses of basically the same thing. That's what makes it brilliant. That's what Sinead is. She's not like these all these unbelievable musical flourishes. It comes down to her, those lyrics and that voice, and she just blows it out of the fucking water and that's why I had to end up putting this number one. This is the ultimate testament to that voice that will just live on in history. Yeah, unbelievable. It's so, so good. good. I, I, I do want to defend myself and say this morning when uh, I, I, I learned that it was the five-year anniversary uh, of Prince passing away, I was listening to the album again, and I had an even better appreciation for the, for the song. And I wanted to move it up, and I looked at my list. I'm like, I can't. I love, I love right. the ones above it so much. I still can't believe it's it's down at number eight. But, um, dude, yeah. everything you say is is so right on. I can't say like that anything bad about it. I just one of those yeah. stacked no, albums I know. for it's, sure. It's just so dramatically yeah. different from the original, and it was so fun to not have heard the original for so long, and then to hear the original. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. often you're like, oh, it's just a slightly different bird, but total rework. Yeah. That's kind of how it is with a lot of the songs that he wrote for other people, Manic Monday and I Feel For You, and you hear these original versions, you're like, eh, it's not really yeah. not that great. Funny enough, the, the one bit of trivia I was looking, we were talking about cover versions, one of the songs that she covered that's great and super quiet was just a couple of years earlier, she covered Someday My Prince Will Come on the Stay Awake comp. Wow. So oh, I loved that album. So yeah. that perfect that, yeah. she, that, that two years later, Prince comes along and gives her the biggest hit of her life. So. Oh, someday Unreal. my prince will come. Unreal. Um, so I just like point of order. Uh, I always like to look at like the t- the top three ranked songs. Give and, us you know, the stats, we're, Jim. Yeah. You, you, you know, Black Boys on Mopeds is the, our highest ranked, if, if the average of all of us. Uh, the lowest song is I Do Not Want What I Haven't Gotten. Yeah. Um, uh, um, so, so top three are Black Boys, um, I Am Stretched, and nothing compares to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, there are two of us that have those ranked in some order of one, two, three, and that's me and Sam. So we correctly called the best three songs on the album. You know, <laughs> or, separated at birth once again. Um, or, exactly. or you're the most basic. Yeah, right, oh. right. We have the best taste. Um, <laughs> Dan put "I Am Stretched" at number six. So you're going to defend him? No. Um, and Adam put nothing uh, compares to you at number eight. There's no defending that either. So Sam, congratulations, we win again. I, <laughs> I like was statisticians wrap up. I was really surprised that uh, nothing compares to you came in at number two for me. But like once I, I think it was probably pretty quick. Like maybe the first or second listen through, I was like, no, Black Boys on Mopeds has yeah. to be it. We we have the same top three in the in the exact same order, Sam. And, yeah. and I think a lot of a lot of the rest of us we have this similar too, Jim. Yeah, it's interesting, Sam. I went the opposite. Black Boys was sitting at number one for most of my listens, and then I finally just dug deeper and deeper, and nothing compares. I'm just like, there's just there's yeah. so much here. But it it's is. it's it is. it's. I mean, those it's... are kind of the two sides of her brilliance when she just yeah. empties it all out, and when she just sort of pulls it back, like you know. Yeah. They formed the complete Sinead. <laughs> They're better now. And, and, and that's right. a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks a lot, you guys, for that one. Uh, 
and great, uh, great pick. Ho- hope you don't mind me you know, picking one that we all liked for once. Uh, so our next episode is our first ever request episode. We're going to do one of these every 10 episodes and, uh, we record these a little bit in advance, so we don't even know what it's going to be. Um, and I'm sure some of you are saying, wait, you take requests. Well, we didn't ask, but we still got 40 of them anyway. (laughs) 30 of them came from one of Dan's coworkers, which was awesome. Um, and, uh, we weren't going to let you guys, uh, have a whole lot of input. We were going to sort through these and decide ourselves. Uh, but Dan said, uh, no, they're not going to vote unless we get a thousand followers on Instagram. And guess what? Thank you guys. We now have a thousand followers on Instagram. So thanks for, uh, watching us on the social media. Um, so if you are watching on the social media, then you can look and see what next week episode is going to be. Uh, that said, here are the nominees that uh, we we voted on, and, and these moved to the top in alphabetical order. We've got Sam's number one pick, which was Aha's Hunting High and Low, thanks to uh, Carlos. We've got uh, Big Star's number one record, thanks to a listener that we don't know named William Fewer. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Uh, Jim and I put uh, Blah at number one. My friend Molly suggested we do a Blah episode, and uh, we decided that Park Life was going to be the official uh, nominee. And then we've got Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Again, Carlos uh, giving us 30 uh, choices between <laughs> what was it, between 1985 and 87. because our prolific. first Our first... Our first few episodes were from that. And he said, oh, you, he, uh, by the way, this whole thing is sponsored by you know what you should have done dot com, our favorite website. Um, so he said he suggested uh, here's some other albums from that era that you guys seem to like. And man, we got a great list from from that. Uh, and then we've got uh, Sam's friend Becca, who recommended we do an Oingo Boingo album. And Jim said, we're doing the one with nothing bad ever happens. So uh, good for your soul is up for contention and finally dan's number one pick which is primal screams screamadelica so i can't wait to put it out there for folks to vote on and uh we'll see what comes next park life see you next week (laughs) (laughs) bye all ciao and i think about leaving the house Please follow We Will Rank You at We Will Rank You Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and let us know how you would rank tonight's tunes. Sam writes about music on the web at YourOlderBrother.com. You can find Adam's music page at You'reDoingGreat.com. That's Y-E-R-D-O-I-N. Please subscribe, rank, and review our show at your favorite podcast place, and send us a note with pink hearts, orange stars, yellow moons, green clovers, and blue diamonds to WeWillRankYouPod at gmail.com. Opening theme by mashup legend DJ Rico.